1 John 2, Galatians 5. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. We thank you for, again, the opportunity to pray to you, Lord. And um, I know this is the third or fourth or fifth or sixth time that we've prayed, but, Lord, we're just so thankful um, that, Lord, that you're alive. Lord, that you have created a way for us to come into your presence and to talk to you, God. This is something that the Old Testament, um, the people in that day were not able to do, Lord. They were unable to come into your presence, Lord. But through Christ and uh, the shedding of his blood, Lord, that you have made us holy through you. And therefore, the veil has been torn, and Lord, that we have the privilege to come into your presence, Lord. And so as we come in there this morning, and not with arrogance that we come into your presence, Lord, but with a humble heart, Lord, I pray. And Father, as a as a people that we come into your presence as looking to our dad and knowing that you care for us and that you love us, Lord. And Lord, as we open up the scripture this morning, and I pray that you would talk to our hearts, Lord. And um, Lord, where there needs to be conviction, I pray for conviction this morning for those of us that need it. Father, for inspiration this morning for those of us who need the inspiration, Lord, and for confidence, God. Lord, we just want to know that you are with us and you're amongst us, God, and that you're alive and that you're talking to us. We ask this in your name. Amen. First John chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. I don't have time to go into First John as far as the historical part of it and who John is and where he's coming from this morning. Um, typically, I, I try to do that just to kind of give the overview. My wife likes the overview of things. I kind of like the overview of things. I kind of like to know where people are coming from when they're writing something. But John's got us here this morning, and he's talking... Um, He's talking to the world, but he's talking to the church, I believe, at this time as well. At least he is to me this morning. And he's talking to us. I had read something last week. Um, there, the Pew report came out, the Pew whatever channel, whatever survey that they do. It was all over CNN and Drudge and all those different places talking about church attendance was down and that more people are leaving the church than had been you know, seven years ago, that they had noticed a, a significant percentage that had happened. Um, that they require this, they look at this as part of the nuns, the, the younger generation that has no affiliation to anything, whether it be church or God or anything at all. They want nothing to do with religion at all. And so that's the new term now is called the nuns, <laughs> that they have nothing to do with any of it. Then you have also, but if you look at the statistics, it wasn't that we lost percentages as far as, you know, the believers that are Christians. They didn't just leave and go to nuns, though. Okay, there were other religious affiliations that they had gone to. You might have noticed there was a, a rise in Muslim. The Muslim is the highest you know, rising religion in the world right now, which is just interesting to me, but that's not for to this morning. But, um, so it's just interesting to me as I looked at that, and I'm like, well, what is the cause of that? What is the, what is the reason? And in, in man's view, and if you read some of the articles, they talk about, well, you know, with the rise of the Internet, people are able to look at science and, and be able to dispute different things. And I'm like, well, no, that can't be it, because, again, you know, that's, that's not why I'm a believer is because of science or anything like that. I'm a believer because I know that Christ has personally touched my heart 
And I know that God is working and alive. And, that, and then even if I do look at science, there's a lot of things that they say that are scientific that I just don't agree with either. That just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm like, well, it's not really science then. And as I started looking, I'm like, well, what is the difference then between the world and the church today? I mean, really, if you start looking at the church today and you start looking at the things, not just this church, I'm talking about the church in, in general, what is the difference? A lot of churches and a lot of different um, ministries and, and doctrines, it seems like we're really, we're afraid to be the church. Are we not? I mean, are we afraid to say that, that sin is sin? Well, you know, you can't say that. You've got to be a little softer, you know, because we want to be more inclusive. We want to be able to allow people to still come in the door and kind of, you still want to kind of be hip and you still want to be kind of cool and you still want to be kind of relatable. You know what I mean? And, and I get the part of, I don't want to be, you know, be that guy's too, but I don't want to be so dogmatic and putting people down that they don't see the love of Christ. I mean, you'll see different different people, you know, the what, the, what is the Baptist church, that, um, Westside Baptist Church. I'm not talking about Westboro. That's it. See, I don't even want to think of the name. That's how bad they are. But anyways, I don't want to be that person, okay? I don't want to go and, and protest military burials of men who have given their, men and women who have given their lives to protect this country. I don't want to be that person. That just doesn't make sense. I don't see that in the Bible. And I don't want to be the person that's out blowing up abortion clinics. I mean, that doesn't make sense, too, and, and killing people. I mean, where do you see that in the Bible? Where is the justification in that? But I don't, I don't see where we have to allow and say that, well, we're allowed to have you know, homosexual pastors and that that's okay with what the Lord, because, you know, the Bible is just kind of, you know, evolving. It's kind of changing, you know? I mean, what's the next thing? Are we going to allow then to have marriages of three and four different people? I mean, because that's where it's going to go to. It has to go that way. Because now if I can't define love by one man and one woman, because, well, no, it's two people who are in love. Well, then who says that I can't have three people that are in love and four people? I mean, does that, I mean, that's not, I'm not, again, I'm not a smart man, but doesn't that make sense that that's where that logic would continue to go down to? And then if you allow that, well, then why can't I have a man come up and say, well, I'm, I'm an adulterer? Why is, what is wrong with being an adulterer? Well, it's against what the, what the Bible says. I mean, again, there are sins that are in the Bible that we have to, at some point, be a church and say, look, I love you, okay, Mr. Whoever sinner that you are, but I can't allow that to continue on and say that I want to say that that's okay. I want to be somebody who says yes to the homosexual community. I love you. And I want to come alongside with you, and I want to pray with you, and I want to talk to you. And I've had lots of homosexual friends. I used to work, I told you guys before, at an automobile dealership. Uh, Fort Lauderdale was right by Wilton Manors. And Wilton Manors is like the number two, three spot for homosexuals in the state, I think. You know what I mean? It's just unbelievable. So this Saturn department was all homosexuals. And I literally would have just conversations and just dialogue. It's not a point where they were, oh, you're a Christian, we're going to fight or something. No, let's, let's talk. And, and I love you and I care for you. And there were several guys that were good friends of mine because of that. They respected me. I respected them because we were having a dialogue and a conversation. But listen, they knew exactly where I stood on my issues. I wasn't willing to go and compromise and say, no, it's okay. You know, it's still just love. It's not. So as I continue to look at that and I continue to look at the church, what is the difference between us and the world at times? You know, and if you're so wishy-washy, and what your doctrine is and what your belief is, then where does it come along a point where they go, well, I don't need the church because I can be this person anyways and, and just continue to move on. 
Where, where's, the, where's the almightiness and the holiness of who a God is if I don't even believe or if I don't even believe as a church in the doctrines of what he says? There are bands that are out now. There's, there's preachers that are out now that start challenging the validity of what the Old Testament says of whether Adam and Eve were real people. And there, there's validity and they're, they're challenging the validity of an actual Noah's Ark and if the world was actually flooded up to the points. Did you know that that's all happening within the Christian Christendom as far as teaching? And it was all comes along and they had to, years ago there was the big move, it was the emergent church. You guys remember that emergent church? It's kind of died off now, but it doesn't die off. It just splinters and it takes off. And the emergent church was saying that, you know, well, what if, and I was always the questions is postmodernism. What if, well, what if Jesus wasn't, you know, sinless? What if there wasn't a virgin birth? You know, well, you can always what if. You know, when you have a little child, and well, why? You know, well, why? You know, you answer that question. Well, why? Why is the sky blue? Well, because of this. Well, why? You know, and they continue to ask that question a million times, and you're like, just shut up and go to your room, you know? So, <laughs> and you're, get out of here, you know? Wait till your mom gets home. And so, you know, you're just, it's one of those things where you can, yes, you can what if forever. But this is what I know is the Bible is true. And if I truly believe that God is the same today, yesterday and tomorrow but then why would those things change why would that not be the truth why would that be allegorical and yet the other things are true i mean how do you at some point you gotta you gotta believe what you believe do you not so as john's coming into this discussion he says do not love the world or the things in the world if anyone loves the world the love of the father is not in him and so love here, and the first two loves, there's three different loves in this first scripture, the first verse here in 15. It says the first two loves are to take pleasure in a thing, to prize it above other things, and be willing to abandon it or do without it. You, couldn't, you, just, you can't do without it. I mean, you just love this thing, whatever it is. Okay? I mean, you just fill in the blank. Right now, something in your mind, you're like, man, I remember there was a time I really, it was a thing. You know, I just, I just love that thing. I had to have it, you know. Whether it be an old car, whether it be, a, I mean, just, just something that you just, ah, oh, gosh, I got to have that. You know, that's just, that's the kind of love. So John's coming along and saying, look, you know, whatever this, towards this thing, whatever the love was that you were willing to not, without abandonment, love the world and with these things that are in the world, because if anyone loves to that degree, the world, then the love of the father is not in them. So the love of the father now is, is different. This is an affection and this is a goodwill. And this is a benevolence. This is God just, man, I just, I, I love you guys with goodwill and, and to care for you. And then that's the love that I have toward you. It's a different love, as you can see. One is, man, I just got to, you know, that flesh. I got to feed that flesh and I got to have a desire to go for it. And God's like, no, my love is different. My love is, is pure. My love is holy. And as I look upon this world, whether they're sinners or not sinners, I just, I just love them. I just have an affection toward you guys. And I just, I just, I just want you to know that, you know, that I sent my only son, you know, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son that, that whoever shall believe him and shall not perish, but have eternal. I love the world, all of them, not just the ones that are saved. I loved, I love everybody. And so it's that with that same affection that he comes into it and God and John saying, look, that's, that's you can't have it both ways. And so if you look at this, well, then what's the next thing? Well, the world, we, you know, if you break this down, if you're doing your own Bible study, you know, whenever you're looking at a verse, you see the different things that pop out. There's three different loves. There's a couple worlds here. Well, we've got to know what the world is, right? We've got to know what the world is. It's not just the globe that he's talking about here, you know. We're talking about world affairs. 
It's the whole amount of the things, of the earthly things. It's the whole circle of earthly goods, the endowments, the riches, the advantages, the pleasures, everything. Which, although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire and they seduce us from God and are obstacles to the cause of Christ. So it's all that stuff, okay? All that stuff, and there's lots of stuff. And you say, well, how important could this possibly be? Well, it's so important that how many billions of dollars do they, set, they spend in advertising each year, right? I mean, you just turn on the TV, and you're watching a show, and then they elevate the volume level when the advertising comes on. Do you guys notice that? The advertising gets a little louder, and you're like, gosh, this thing is so loud. Where's the, you know, where's the volume? Turn this thing down. Well, it's because they really want you to know that you really need to have this product, because this product's going to do it for you, okay? Because don't listen to the next product. Then it was this product. Until the next product comes on, and then you're like, well, I really got to have this one as well. So it's the world. The world is just bombarding us. As you go through the, the line to, to buy your food at, at Publix or wherever that you shop, there's all those magazines and all these different articles and stuff like that. And you're just, look, you, had a, you have to look like this. You have to be like this. You have to drive this. I mean, the world is just continuing to just do this all the time. That's what they're doing. They're just seducing you, and they're coming after you. And you see that the temptations that come into it, even as us as Christians, you know, if you look back in Luke chapter 8, it's the, the parable of the soil. You know, and the, 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 he goes around and he tosses the seed, and the seed hits the ground, and it just, there's nothing there, and a bird comes by and picks it up and flies away. And one hits the crack, and it shoots up real quick, and it's, it spawns off, but there was no depth there. So then it withers out and it dies. And the third one is it goes, it goes out and it's inside the weeds and the thickets. And what it's talking about is that the, the, just the stuff of life goes into a Christian's life and it just drowns it. You know, you ever have a plant and you've got these, these weeds and stuff like that that get in there and the plant can't really grow because it's getting choked out? You know, so it's sitting in there and you're, you don't want to stick your hand in there because they've got, you know, like the thorns and stuff like that and you just you start ripping it and it hurts. Well, the same thing in a Christian's life is as, we, as we're in this world, we're supposed to be in the world, but we're not supposed to be of the world. And as we get caught up in the stuff, that sometimes we, we lose track of where we're going and what we're doing. And whether it be, you know, health problems or whether it be financial problems or whether it be relationship problems, we just get so stuck into trying to look the right way and do the certain things that now the world and all this stuff is just, I'm not good for God anymore because I am so obsessed and so worried about the things that are going on that I'm stuck here and I can't do anything else for God. And that's the sad part. And that's when I look at the church today and um, just really been bugging me the last several weeks, even before the research is, is, is where are we at? Where are we as a church that, that would look at it and there was a, and I'm not Facebooking or anything right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm tempted to, I know up here it's just a desire, but I'm a big Facebooker. Um, there was a post on one of somebody, you know, those little things, the pictures that they send around, and it said that there was once a time when people went to church, heard the truth, and wept over their sins. Today, people go to church, hear a motivational speech, and ignore their sins. And, it, <laughs> and as I continue to look at that and think about that, and I go to auctions on Wednesdays, and I'm able to mull around and listen to pastors and stuff like that, it really just broke my heart because that's, that's the truth. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm one of those people. 
I like to come into a message and hear the person that's teaching, and I like three points. You know, I'm a kind of classical kind of guy, I like a three-point thing. And if you could make the words rhyme, that would really help for me because I like that. You know, I mean, it's a, you know, especially if you start teaching and you're like, man, that guy's good. How did he get that? You know, and you start writing things down. And I'm like, man, I gotta steal that when you write it down. And you're like, that was pretty cool. And then other guys, you're like, that was so lame. He stole that from such and such. You know, it's like, come on, come on, be original, dude. You know, did you pray about the message? And so you're one of those people that you sit there and you're like. You, you, you want that, and I want that. I want a three-point, I want a, you know intro, a close, give me some you know, little movement around the Bible. I don't want to just be in one spot. I want to kind of, let's incorporate the whole thing. But isn't that the same thing? Is that I'm looking for a motivational speech. I want to be able to come out with something. I want, instead of just being able to come to church and even have the freedom and the openness that during worship, if I am so touched by that word, that I'm willing to go on my knees and to weep tears because the Lord has touched my heart. I, there was a time when I would do that. There was a time when I didn't care what anybody else thought. I wasn't so worried about the things that were happening in the church at that moment. You know, because unfortunately, the more that we become comfortable in our relationship with the Lord, is am I the only one that, that you know, you're not so much, it's not so much that anymore. It's, you know, what is this? And what's going on? And, and, and let me read the word. And it's no longer reading the word just to allow God just to touch my heart and to convict me. It's reading the word, so either I'm getting ready for the next message, or I got to have this ready for this person, or I got Thursday night study, or you know, man, I got to read the word because I'm I'm a pastor. Hello, when's the last time you read the word? So they didn't get in the word, and I read a chapter, and it's check it off, so I can say, hey, yeah, I read my word today. What'd you guys do? You know, and I can, you know, where's but where's the time where I just sit down and with the Lord, with a cup of coffee, and just, God, I'm so sorry for the things that I've done and that are wicked in my heart. For the things that I look at people and I just have no conviction to go up to talk to that person because I don't want to. I'm tired. And as we come in and as a church and we listen to a message, we're not applying it to our heart. We're looking at, man, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that. That was a great message for them. No, it was a good message for you. It was a good message for you to be able to open the word and say, God, convict my heart. Convict me so that I am willing to be changed and to be used by you. But yet, again, for me, I'm looking for a motivational speaker at times. I'm looking for something from him to kind of get me to the little extra gas that I need in my tank. Well, what are some of the things of the world? What are some of the things of the world that tempt us? What are some of the things? Anybody? Just jot them out. What are some of the things of the world? Cars and houses. Got that one, number two. Gambling. Gambling. Look at Joshua's got a gambling problem up here. <laughs> I, I didn't say that. I'm sorry. Entertainment. It's Matthew with a problem. I know you're just covering for him. Entertainment is a problem. Money is a problem. TV. Facebook. Facebook. She. She. No, I don't use Facebook, but everybody. Everybody. Pinterest. <laughs> I'm drinking coffee. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm drinking coffee. Yeah. Have a good day. Yeah. Yeah. I need more coffee. Yeah. David Guzik, he's a pastor, um, says the world wants love from us. And the love is, it's expressed in time, it's expressed in attention, and it's expressed in expense. And that's what the world wants from us. They want our time, they want our attention, and they want our expense. They want our attention either with be through Hollywood they want our expense. They want our money. 
John 15:19, Jesus tells his disciples, if you, are the, if you are of the world, the world would love you. But you're not of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. And I think too many times the church is too interested in being light as opposed to being holy and being Christians and being God. Now, again, that doesn't mean I'm not saying swing to the other side where you're just a jerk about it too. I'm not saying being, you know, be a Christian jerk because, you know, that's a whole different message too, you know. Because, again, Jesus wasn't a jerk. But Jesus was holy, and Jesus knew, they knew exactly where Jesus stood. Jesus was at the well with the, the woman, and he wasn't a jerk to the woman. He could have just lambasted her. He didn't. But with love and compassion and just talking to her and allowing her to bring out everything that she had done in her life to where she is now a converted woman and runs back in the city that she was embarrassed to be embarrassed of, and they didn't like her. I mean, she's at the well at, in midday when it's hot, and she's running back to them saying, Look, I have found the one. That's how confident that she was in her faith at that point. Romans 12, 1 and 2 <clears throat> excuse me, says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Okay, so he's saying, look, at one first you're a living sacrifice. We're still living. We're not dead sacrifices. So he says, I want you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, I want you to be acceptable to God, which is your reasonable sacrifice. It's understandable, right? So if, if, if Jesus has given his life to us and allowed us to have eternal life, it's reasonable that he should say, hey, I, all I'm asking back is, is your life. Is, is that a fair change? You know, and, and that's reasonable to say that. Verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed. Do not turn into this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what is the will of God? What is the desire of God from our hearts and from our lives? What does he want from us? Does he want us to be missionaries? Well, I got, if I'm accepted, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Christian now. I've got I to go be a missionary. I've got to go leave overseas. No, it doesn't mean that at all. But what does it mean for each one of us in this room to say that I'm going to now give my life to the Lord? What is it that he would have me to do? Maybe it's that he's having you to do exactly what you're doing. Maybe you're married and you've got kids. And it's your desire now and your, your, your job is to raise up your children so they would be able to walk in a way of the Lord. Maybe you have a job. Maybe you're working in, and you're, you're supposed to be a witness. You're supposed to be a missionary in the job that you're at currently. But what you're doing is you're, you're heading out into the world around us. Alan Redpath said that, you know, none of us, their missionary is not in the Bible. It doesn't say missionary in the Bible. Because it's just assumed that when you're a Christian, that you're going to go out and be a mission in the area that you live. I mean, that's just, that's who you are. What do we go out today. We leave here today. We head out to the mission field. Okay, we're heading out. We're going to go do that work that God has called us to do. Paul is stating here that there should be a difference between us and what the world is. Okay, so there should be a noticeable difference as we read this. If we're being transformed into the perfect will of God, acceptable will of God, there should be a noticeable difference between us and what the world sees. Okay, and we should be able to walk in victory and understanding of what that is. Okay, we shouldn't have to be, we shouldn't have to bow down and go, yeah, you know, I went to church this weekend or, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. You should, shouldn't be able to do that. You should be able to say, yep, I'm a Christian. Okay, And then, so when they, then they start asking the questions, you then receive those questions and be bold and be like, yes, I will answer your question. Let's have a conversation about it. You know, we were talking Thursday night that it's, it's, questions are a great, great thing. 
And some, some questions that people might have for Christians are, are legitimate, are they not? I mean, is it not legitimate if we say that there's no such thing as the Big Bang, that they can't prove it? Is it not a legitimate question? They go, well, where did God come from? Is that not a legitimate question? That, that unbel- I would, that's, that's a great question. Guess what? I don't have the answer for it. All I know is that I go back into Genesis and it says, you know, in the beginning there was God. That's all I got. That's all that he gave me, okay? I can't prove where God came from. I can't prove that there's a physical God that you can touch, but you can't prove where all the matter came from to create your big bang. So we're even, you know, can we call it a rub? You know, I mean, that's, that's just where we're at on that one. It's, it's not a big deal. But those are legitimate questions. We shouldn't look back at them and go, well, you got to have faith, man. Well, we'll give them a reason to have faith. Help them to understand. A person can't understand that they need a savior until they understand that they're a sinner, does that make sense? I mean, I, if I didn't think I was a sinner, why would I need a Savior? I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm walking my life. I'm living. I'm, I'm doing more good than bad. Everything is fine. Isn't it, doesn't it, isn't it the balance thing? Doesn't this all work out that way? Well, no. The more that you go into the Word and you realize these things and you say, no, there has to be a moral compass and there has to be a standard for us to live upon, well, then that's when you can go ahead and start moving forward in that dialogue. But you want those questions. You want people to ask you questions. So then again, it allows you the opportunity to show them how big your God is. If you don't allow them to ask questions and you shut them down, well, then you're not ministering and you're not on a missions field. You know, you're just a bully, you know, with a big Bible that just keeps hitting people. No, that doesn't, that's not, that ain't going to work. You know, Jesus didn't do it that way. Verse 16, Paul's, I mean, John's now going to break it down as far as what the world is. And he says, for all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So John now looks at it and says, okay, we've got the world. We've got the whole compassing of everything that is. So let's break it down. He, says, he sees the world as three different things. And he sees that one is, <laughs> as the lust of the flesh. And lust here, probably don't need a, a definition, but I'm going to give you one anyways. It says lust is, is a desire, it's a craving, it's a longing, and it, but it's a desire for what is forbidden. Okay, and I think we all kind of know that one. Lust is the desire for something that's that's forbidden. Well, then flesh is it's a sensuous nature, it's a sexual desire. So the lust of the flesh is is coming along this side of it that it's 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 a desire and for forbidden things that is of, usually of a sexual desire on that side. Okay, so as as we go into this, <clears throat> again a difference between us and the world. You know, the movie that just came out, Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay, and I was going to joke around and say, hey, who's seen it? You know, I didn't, don't, don't do that. Don't raise your hand. Okay. I thought about that last night. See, that's, that's just me. Okay. So don't raise your hand. Talk to me afterwards, though. So, so Fifty Shades of Grey, hopefully, as we laughed, you didn't see the movie. But I know that there is a great percentage of opportunity and chance that in your own home and in your own privacy, of your own cable or Verizon or whatever you have, that I'm not saying you guys. I'm saying that somebody within the Christian family has watched the movie, has read the books. And, and as I look at that, and usually it's, it's men that are, you know, on the, on the lust side of it. That's typically because we're more visual. You know, that's just how God has made us as far as the visual, not, an ex, not, an, not allowing that to happen. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's kind of how the makeup is as far as our wiring. But this has really taken it to the different level because now it's brought in the women as far as inside of this too. Okay, not that women haven't had those desires, but it's just created them an opportunity now to experience the same sin as, as on our side. Is, and so that the lust of the flesh and the lust of the desire has now incorporated all into these books and this movie that has come out. And so now as we, we go into this and we look at it and we, 
allow our Christianity just to turn off for a second, and we allow our moral compass to turn off for a second, we then allow the devil then to come into our house through a TV and through our own privacy. And see, then that's, that's just, that's just a, a name of a film. But, I mean, I can continue to go down the line, you know, with different websites that are out there that nobody would know. There's different books that you could run by, and nobody would know because it's just you and that book and that movie and the Lord. But, see, that's where it happens when we continue to move down this, this road and we allow the justification to come into it. And then where does that lead to? Well, then it leads to, if you're married, that you start looking different ways. And, you know, and, and unfortunately we've had a, a, a terrible example a year ago with Pastor Bob Coy, you know. Well, it didn't start with him having a relationship with a woman at first. It started, I'm sure, with looking at something on the Internet that he shouldn't have. And then he continued down a road. And he continued down a road. And the next thing, a flirt turned into something else and into a hug. And, and then it just blossomed from there. I mean, so I mean, it's it's the the devil doesn't do it, and he doesn't tempt you in a way that hey hey go have an affair. Well, no, I'm not going to. That's stupid. I mean, are you kidding me? I love my wife. Why would I do that? Okay, well then, how about this? You know, did you see that? Oh, that was by accident. I didn't mean to see that. You know, or I saw that person walk by, and and then at one glance, and then maybe a longer view, and then a little bit longer, and you know, and then your mind starts taking over. But see, that's how it all starts. Is is it's the flesh that takes off. Turn over to Galatians five. Galatians chapter 5, excuse me, <coughs> my throat's killing me, Galatians five sixteen. I, I'm sure I didn't think of this, you know, everybody knows 22, first 22 is fruit of the spirit, I always call this as the fruit of the flesh, okay, the works of the flesh is what the, my Bible says, but it's kind of like the fruits of the flesh, this is where we're at. So Galatians 5:16 through 21, it says, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And we already know, again, what the lust of the flesh is, right? Same lust, same flesh there that we had just talked about. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are, are contrary to one another, so that you do not, <laughs> thank you very much, you do the things, you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Now, these are the works of the flesh. So if we just talked about the flesh, we just talked about the desires there. It says the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, their fornication, their uncleanness, their lewdness, their idolatry, their sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so everybody back up here. So everybody got that. So that's a, that's a long list, okay? Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, I, I'm sure all of us have, can check off at least one on there, right? I mean, right? Everybody at least one, maybe a couple, okay? So we've all done those things. Those are the works of the flesh. Now, when he says here, he says that, look, you know, that, I tell you that, that beforehand, just as I told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I'm not saying, and he's not saying, look, if you've done one of those things, you're down. You're not going to heaven. Just don't even worry about it. You know, the blood of Jesus Christ can't cover that one. No, he's not saying that. What he's saying is, now, if you come into it, and I'm a Christian, but yet I am actively participating in, you know, a great amount of these on here, well, then the question would be, are you really saved then at that point? 
Okay, now I'm not a sin sniffer. I'm not a, you know, getting on the, the board. I'm not God. He can decide all that and all that stuff. But, but you understand what the point is, is. I can't say, well, I'm married to Christine, but I have five girlfriends on the side that I'm heading out to. And you're going to be like, well, why are you married to Christine then if you've got five girlfriends? Well, you know, just kind of I keep it fresh, you know, kind of keep around. You know? well, well, then you probably shouldn't be married you know, if you've got five girlfriends on the side, well, you know, don't judge. You know, I mean, that's, you're such a judge person. You know, why Why can't we all just, you know, well, no, it's just, it's not fair to Christine that you're doing that to her. And the same thing that Christ would look at it and say, look, I, I, I died for you and I, I shed my blood for you, but yet you're no different. Again, going back to what I talked about before, well, what's the difference between you and the world then? You know, I didn't, I didn't die for you so that you could live your same life. Remember before he said, I, I, want, I want your life back. I want you to be able to present your life to me and be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Remember all that back in, in, in Romans 12? So why would you do that if you understand truly what Jesus Christ did for us? And if Jesus Christ has truly come into my heart, well then don't, isn't there some point where you look at some of these things and go, oh gosh, you know, there's words that I hear, I hear now that I used to say frequently that I just hear the word and I'm like, ah, gosh, man, what? dude, just don't say that. You know, use a different word or something like that or just go out of the room. I mean, there's certain things that, there's a Mad Max movie's coming out, okay? Don't raise your hand if you can see it or not. Mad Max movie's coming out, right? I liked the old Mad Maxes. I really did. I just loved them, okay? And probably I would watch the old ones if they were on, okay? In the privacy of my own house, okay? So don't judge, all right? Just between me and the Lord, my own conviction of sin. But anyways, so we go on. I see the new one and I'm just like, I just have no desire to see it. I'm like, that is just so, one, it's just gross and it's gruesome. And I'm just like, you know, just all my little antennae, you know. And then part of me is like, but I used to like those, you know. Like, what happened? You know, what happened to me? Gosh. But um, I, I used to like those movies and I can't, I'm like, I can't, I, I just, I won't ever see it. I just, I have no desire at all to see that. You know, the old video games, the shoot 'em up, the blood and stuff like that. I used to play all those games. I didn't care. You know, it was kind of fun. Doom and all that stuff. Duke Nukem, all that. Any older people? Right. Doom. There you go. There's my man right there. So, so I used to play those. Now I look at it and I'm like, ah, I just can't do it anymore. I just, why? It's just the spirit is, is renewing me and changing me to where then I look at the, flute, the fruits of the flesh here and I go, I can't live like that. I just, I can't do that. Now, again, not saying that I'm perfect, not saying that I'm not working through things, not saying that you guys aren't working through things, but there's a point where you do something and you're like, oh gosh, that was just wrong. I shouldn't have done that. You know, I mean, just your spirit is like, what are you doing? You shouldn't have do that. So then on the opposite then the side of that, so if you have the fruit of the flesh, well, then we have to have God's perspective on it. So now the fruit of the Spirit is verse 22. And it says, the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against there is no law. Okay, And those who are in Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and its desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So, okay, so if we live in the Spirit, I have been saved, I have been sanctified by Jesus Christ, so now it's no longer I who live, Galatians 2.20, last time I talked, is, is now Christ who lives within me, so now if I'm walking in Spirit, well, then I have to portray and I have to have the fruits of that Spirit. Okay, if I plant a, a Florida peach tree at some point in my house that I have for four months, and I haven't planted it yet. When I do, I don't expect pineapples to come off of it, okay? I expect Florida peaches to come off that tree. Why? Because that's what it is. That's all that it's been designed to be. So if I walk in the, in, the, in the spirit, then these things should naturally come out of you. I should be able to look at everybody in this room who's a Christian, and I should be able to look up and see some of these things, and I should see love. 
Okay, I should see a joy in your life. Does that mean that you're always happy? Oh, man, you know, I just had an accident. You know, it was awesome, man. It was just praise the Lord. I was driving along, and bam! You know? No, you don't do that. You're, I just had an accident, you know? And you're freaking out, you know? You're like, you know, you're like, your hands are going like that, and you're, you know, I know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to use that one, but I've had one, too. I didn't even see it was coming, but, and so, I mean, it's just, you're achy and all that other stuff, so, but, I mean, just, you're not that. You're not joyful at that moment. I mean, you are later that you're like, I'm alive, I'm okay, you know, it was just metal that can get all get fixed, but, but your body's okay. I mean, so I mean, it's, it's not joy in all those different things, but it's having peace, it's having long patience, it's having kindness. Are you kind to people? I mean, are you just mean to everybody? Well, then that's not a fruit. Get rid of it. You need to pluck that thing off and put it in with kindness. You need to be nice to people. You don't have patience. Why do you not have patience? Why do we not have patience as Christians? You look at this and say, you're not very patient. I'm just how I am. No, you're not. You should have patience because the Lord has been very patient with us. And if he's been willing to be that patient with us, how can we not be turned around and be patient with other people? I mean, it just doesn't make sense, right? I mean, come on, let's let's think about these things and let's think about the fruit of the Spirit and allow that then to be what changes our lives. So we turn back to 1 John. So we had the lust of the flesh. And we have God's will and God's desire in that as opposed to what the fruits of the flesh are. We have the, the fruit of the spirit. And so now as we move on, we have the lust of the eyes. Number two. Number two, by the way. Okay. You get the breakdown. So number two. That's how I like it. Number two. The eyes. The eyes here is a desire excited by seeing. Okay. So this is the eyes. This is everything that you got going on as far as that. And I didn't have time and we don't have time. I was going to do a whole breakdown as far as what the eyes do, but you can do that on your own. Google it when you get home. The eyes as far as what they receive, where it comes in, all the neuros and all that kind of stuff go back. So, but the eyes, that's where it all starts from. That's where you see something. Okay. And see stuff like, have you seen the new Mustangs that they just brought out? Anybody see the new Mustangs? They're awesome. I mean, they're really, really nice. And I'm not like the plain Jane one. You got to have it souped up a little bit, but they are awesome in what they look like. I drove by Sarasota four and I was like, wow, that is an awesome car, you know? And I know car guy, but, but it was just like, that was, it was just beautiful. Now I want to bought a Corvette before that, but it's still, it's a really nice car. So, okay. So then you look at it and I'm like on speed now, if I'd like a like hitting like fast forward but is there and also for new houses last time i talked i talked that christine and i had gone and we looked at this overly priced for us house but it was beautiful and you start looking in it you're walking around and you're like well that's where joshua would be and this is where this would happen this would be the christmas tree and then you're like what are we doing you know stop that you know erase the you know the chalkboard there what are we doing we can't can't afford the, you know the, the driveway we must less afford the rest of the house you know you're like what are we doing but it's nice you know look at the kitchen you know and you can go on pinterest and this is what we could do and pinterest all these different things you know so <laughs> calling her out so we go shopping okay we do side note little rabbit trail we go shopping and she'll we're in the store or whatever we're looking at different things and she'll go to pinterest of things that she likes as far as clothes any ladies have that little thing for yep there you go see see what do we know? So to so go there and we start looking at different clothes and stuff like that. And she's like, where are these things in here? So I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never been on Pinterest. But so anyways, move on. I'm a guy. So I have the benefits definitely are outstanding. Um, as Jonathan would say, fabulous. And, and women, though, on that same note, though, women, you know, the lust of the eyes. And it's not so much of a lust, but women, do you guys do you feel like you don't look like you should? Because you sit there and you look, and, and I was listening to um, like 10 minutes of 
Nancy Lee DeMoss. She's on Moody, if you guys listen to that, 104.3. And she was on the other day, and one of her guest talkers were on, and it was talking about women and, and just the fact of, you know, actually some of the negative effects as far as Pinterest and things like that. Because, you know, you, 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 the women, you know, are, are looking at other women of what they look like. And then, then why don't I look that way? What's wrong with my body? What do I have to change with my body to do that? You know, and that's, that's the sad part of it is because guys are different. Guys, we all want to look good. We're like, yeah, I want to be in shape and I want to do that. But then as soon as we don't, we're like cool with shifting gears going, well, you know, nothing wrong with a little, you know, a little extra meat on my bones. You know, we just, we shift gears and we're cool with it. You know, we just laugh about it. We move on, right? I mean, guys, we're, we want to look good, but then we're like, too much work. Nah, forget about it. You know, another piece of pizza and we're good. So, I mean, that's just the facts of life. That's who we are. But women, they don't. And women might settle for the other side, but they're still always looking at themselves. And it's a lust of the eyes. And it's a lust in a different way of saying, you know, I'm just not good enough. You know, what is wrong with me? Why didn't God make me this way? Why am I not able to look like that person? Well, the good news, that person on the magazine didn't look like that anyways, okay? Now, she might still be pretty, but she didn't look like that because they've all, you know, we were able to Photoshop you guys before you walked out. You know, you would look like that too. But but the sad part is that so many women sit there and they try to, to, to look like somebody else instead of being just, hey, look, this is who the Lord has made, you know? And, and I'm, this is, he's, he's made me this way. He knows that. And I'm just going to walk out and I'm going to be comfortable in the skin that God has placed me in. You know, does that make sense? So don't be covetous towards other things. You know, men, a lot of times that word is used for, you know, people looking at other people. But sometimes it's, it's the same thing for ourselves as we're looking at others and not realizing that, that, you know, God made me this way. And God has made me perfect. And God smiles whenever he thinks about me. You're the apple of his eye. The third one there is pride of life. So we've had... <clears throat> Excuse me. We've had the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the third one here is the pride of life. And pride, again, is probably don't need this one too, but pride is empty presumption which trusts in the stability of earthly things. It's empty presumption which trusts in the stability of earthly things. And life, is it's just the manner of life, life in regard to its moral conduct. So we've got a pride of life here of where... C.S. Lewis in, in Mere Christianity stated that the pride is the greatest of all sins. It leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Okay, so the pride of life. Well, how does that come in there? What do you mean? Well, anybody can have pride, correct? I mean, I can get up here and I can lay out my heart and, and go. And then at the end, you know, oh, man, you did a great job. Oh, that was awesome. That was great. And then, you know, you guys don't see it. But in my heart, I might be like, well, yeah, of course it was good. You know, I mean, I... I mean, come on, you know, it was me. And I made some people laugh. There were some tears. I had my three points. I mean, it was, of course it was good. I mean, yeah, I did, I did a good job, you know. Lord showed up for me, and uh, it was all good. I mean, that's, that's pride. That's pride. Anybody can do that. But then even if you overcome a sin, you're like, oh, brother, that's awesome to see that you're, you're just on the back, way back and that things are working in your life. And it's like, ding, well, yeah, they are on the way back. You know, I'm, I'm doing, I mean, so it's just a non, I mean, just constantly through your life, pride is just always there. And I'm not talking about pride in, oh, my child did a good job or, you know, hey, good job today at the work, you know, or, hey, good job up here, you know, okay, thanks, man, praise the Lord. You know, you just move on. But it's when you sit there and you dwell in it and you allow that then to take over. And as you sit there and you look at all three of these, what does all three of these have to do with? All has to do with your heart. I mean, because nobody can see what's going on in me as far as lust of the flesh. I mean, that's all inside here. Nobody knows about that. Lust of the eyes. It comes in my eyes, and unless it comes out my mouth, nobody in here knows what's going on. And the same thing here with pride. You might be able to notice arrogance, but you're not going to notice the pride in somebody's heart 
unless they, again, unless it comes out of their mouth. So all these things have to do with your heart, which then allows you to change and where you're, you're, you're not walking in that spirit. An example of this was Satan. In Isaiah 14, it says, In his pride, Satan desired to ascend to heaven and exalt his throne above the stars of God. So Satan, in his pride, desired to go above in the stars where God had... And the funny thing is he's going to go in, into the stars of God, the stars, of course, that God created. It's kind of funny to me. You know, God creates it, but yet Satan's going to be as good as big as God. So Satan, the, the master of pride as well, the pride of light just went inside of him because it was beautiful and the, the orchestra and, and, the, and being a worship leader and all. And, and then just the pride rises up inside of him where he's going to be as great as God. And so many men these days are, you know, trying to develop these corporations and these businesses and, and have this life that it's, it's all about me and it's all about everything that I've done. You know, LeBron James, I don't like him anymore. He's not a heap. So hey, I can talk about him, but, you know, it's on the back, you know, is the, the chosen one, you know, on the back, a big old ink on his back. And you're like, you're the chosen one, you know, chosen for what? You know, you're not my chosen one. I mean, you're a great basketball player, but I mean, I mean, let's put it in reality here, you know? I mean, what is Mother Teresa, you know, I mean, what did she have in her back, you know, on ink or something like that? If, you know, I saved millions of babies that were dying, you know, and fed them. Did she do any of that stuff? No, just humble. Where's the humbleness in, in our life today where people, it doesn't have to be about me and beating my chest. It has to be about, you know what, man, you go ahead and take the lead on this one. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. And, you know, in, in Pride of Life, I shared this on Thursday nights too. You should come to Thursdays. It's awesome. But Thursday night... The pride of life, you know, you know, I look back in my life and in, in Fort Lauderdale, I was part of this, um, this class that they had. And, um, and probably at that time, not, not beknownst to me, I don't think, but there was a lot of pride in my life. You know, I was in this class and I was a young guy and, you know, and, and they were seeing something that was going on and all these different people in the, in the room. And, um, and probably pride in my life, I didn't realize it at the time that, you know, I was thinking, yeah, there's something big. You know, look at the things that I'm doing and where I'm going and all. And um, to the point where it took, you know, probably another 20 years before I became a pastor. And, and not that that's wrong, nothing that's inside of that. But the wrong part was that God had to work in my life to where I'm a pastor now and I don't really care about the title. I mean, you get to a point where you're like, you know, I didn't even know I was an elder when I was an elder here and, and pastor. And it doesn't matter to me. I mean, it's a point where you here's a title and you're like, I don't really need the title. I mean, if he said tomorrow, look, you're not a pastor anymore. I'm like, all right, whatever. I mean, that's fine. Take it. It doesn't matter to me as long as I get to teach. I mean, that's fine. But but it doesn't matter to me because it's it's a point of I'm still going to do what I'm going to do anyways. I'm still going to touch people's lives if I have the opportunity to. I'm still going to, to reach out and and try to help people whenever I have the opportunity to. I'm still going to pray for people. I'm still going to pray with people. I'm still going to touch people when I see them when they walk into the church. If I see somebody down, I'm still going to walk over there and, and spend the time with them. Why? Because that's just, it's a changed life. Because I've submitted my life to the Lord to where it's no longer about the pride about Kevin and where I'm going and all those other things. And it's where God almost had to do a Moses thing to me, send me out for 40 years or send me out for 20 years and say, look, man, we're going to, we got to chip some stuff away here first. Because it's great to have dreams and it's great to have wants, but they need to be all biblically and all under the command of what God wants in your life as well. And as, as that pride had risen up, you know, the Lord said, no, I need to, to go ahead and take care of that. Let 
Verse 16 again, just at the end, it says, For all this is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Verse 17, it says, And the world is passing away, and lust of it, and he who does the will of God abides forever. And passing away is just a disappearing. You know, a friend of mine a long time ago said, you know, it's all going to burn anyways. You know, all the stuff that we're trying to accumulate, all the stuff that we're trying to get, you know, if you read the end, it all burns. It's all gone. It doesn't stay here. You know, and to abide is to maintain. It's to be unbroken fellowship with one, to adhere to his party, to be kept continually. But he who does the will of God abides continually forever. Turn over to Psalm 1 real quick, please. And we'll close out. Psalm chapter 1, somewhere in the middle of your Bible would be Psalm. If you hit Proverbs, go to the left. But you should hit, if you hit the middle, you should be in the Psalm somewhere. Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1 said, and Christine read this earlier, said, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful. But his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord. Do you guys delight in the law of the Lord? I mean, do you guys sit there and when you read the word or when you, God asks you to do something, I mean, do you delight in the fact that he's asking you to do something? And in his law, he meditates day and night. Do you sit there and as you, the Lord gives you a verse and you meditate on it and you just think about it all throughout the day? You don't have to open your Bible. The Lord gives you a thought. The Lord gives you a verse. And do you sit there and do you meditate on it? Do you think about it? You know, somebody says something to you that day and you just go back to that verse and you think about it and you ponder it. He shall be like a tree, talking about the blessed man, planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So this is the blessed man, and he walks in the counsel of the ungodly, does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. As you can see, there's a, a nor sits in the seat of the scornful. There's a, there's a pattern in his life here that he's not taking part of. Okay, He's not, he's not, he's not taking the information from those that are not Christians. He might be friends with them, but he's not taking that counsel to heart. He's not going to happy hour, and he's sitting there with them, and and, and taking in all that they're saying. He's not walking in the path of sinners. If you have a business or if you're in business or you work, you're not taking the path of people that are stealing from the company or stealing from the government or nor seats in the seat of the scornful. You're not one of those that sits around and just complains about everything every single day because his delight is in the Lord, the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates on it day and night. Christian, you need to be in your word. You need to be in your word. Many of you guys know that I just started, um, I didn't just start, about a year ago I started running. And, um, and you look at me and you're like, are you a runner? And I'm like, yeah, I know. But you should tell him my feet are like, dude, you need to stop running. But they, um, it all started by this little, there's an app on your phone, of course, this Catch to 5K, you know. And you can sit there on your phone and you, you just go. And it tells you when you run, tells you when to stop, and eventually you work up to where you can run three miles. And... Um, but the, but the neat thing I was thinking as I was pondering and, and thinking about it, meditating, the Lord has given us the same thing. 
you know, this is, this is our app, which is the Bible. And if we just sit there and, and read it every single day, the Lord is going to be the one that changes our hearts. And we're going to be able to delight in his word. And we're going to be able to see how the Lord is going to then change our hearts and transcend our minds to where then it's, it's all his anyways. And as you think about that, but so many times we don't want to do that. And there was many times I didn't run. You know, and the next time I got out there, it was harder and it was more difficult. But if I didn't keep to it, I never would have been able to run three miles. And the same thing with us as we sit here today is there's no way that you're going to get through this life that God has called us to do if you're just doing it on your own and you're not looking for the Lord at all. Well, I'm going to be a Christian. Well, do you read the Bible? No. Do you pray? No. Do you fellowship with other believers? No. Do you witness? No. Well, then what are you? You're not a Christian then. You know, again, if I was married to my wife and I never talked to her, I never went home, I never did anything with her, then why are you married? You know, well, no, I'm married, but you're not, you're never there. The same thing with the Lord. Lord is just asking, saying, look, I, I need you. I need you. I need you to be a Christian. I need you to be in the world so that people can see what Christians are like. Alan Redpath again said, sanctification is separation. Okay, we're separated. We're taken. We're different from everybody else. But separation is not isolation from the world. Okay, so we're, we're separated. We're different from the world. But he didn't take us out of the world. Does that make sense? I mean, we're still in the world. So we need to still be part of the world. But the world is not going to see a difference if we are the world. So we need, to be, we need to be separated. There needs to be a difference between the two of us. But we're not isolated. We had Cash Godbold. Is that the last name? Cash Bold? I always mess up his last name. He was here, talked about unreached people <laughs> uh, to Muslims. And, um, and it, was, it was interesting to think that, again, of, of just the, of what you have to go through to be able to properly witness to somebody that you're just so different from. And in a way, it was, it was the same things that you would want to do and same things that you'd want to say if you were trying to witness to somebody of anybody, of any relationship, of any, of anywhere that they're from. But it all gets back to of where our relationship is with the Lord first. And so as we're getting ready to close, it's, it's today, this morning, um, it's a little lighter than what I had probably planned on a couple days ago. Um, but as we pray, I want you guys to pray. Um, we're not going to pray corporately. Um, but as I pray, I want you guys to pray if there's something that's that's different in you right now. Maybe you're going along the path and you realize, Kevin, there are some things that need to change in my life. There's some areas in my life that, that aren't right. You know, I, I'm not walking that path that I should have been walking on. Um, you know, I want you to, to make sure that you get with myself or get with Brian, please. Um, and we want to take that time with you. We want to pray with you. We want to talk to you. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Christ and you say, man, I'm, I'm, I just desire that. There's just something that's going on. And you have questions or your thoughts. The same thing, I want you please to come up and, and, and talk to me and, and let's go over that or talk to Brian in the back. Um, but it's important today to know that as, as we come into the presence of the Lord, that the Lord is, is asking this from us. And that we know that all have sinned and fallen short of the Lord. I mean, and that's, that's every one of us in this room have sinned. But the free gift of God, you know, is Christ and his salvation. But the salvation, it doesn't stop there. It starts, it, that's just the beginning point for all of us. As we run that race, you know, let's make sure that we're all running the race. As going back to, again, the, the, the church, what is the difference between us and the world? I pray that you guys see that, that there needs to be a difference in each one of us in this morning.
So again, if we, after I pray, if you guys have questions, please come forward, talk to myself or Brian. If there's specific prayers that you have, whether it be um, areas in your life that are not right, whether there's sins that you need to repent of, I, I'm asking you please to come forward today and let's do that. Father God, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. I thank you for um, I thank you for your love, God. I thank you for the word of God that doesn't God come back void, God? I pray for these saints that are here this morning, Lord, and um, I pray that I've articulated it correctly, Lord. And if anything that I said, Lord, that was not of you, I pray that you would just erase it and um, that you would dub over it, Lord, and allow your spirit to go into them and allow them to hear the words specifically of how you wanted to hear it. I pray for these in this church, Lord, that Maybe there's somebody in here this morning, Lord, that as we talked about the lust of the flesh, Lord, that, God, that there is something that's going on in their heart right now, Lord, that there's something that is that is off in their lives. That, Lord, whether it be pornography, Lord, whether it be a relationship they shouldn't be having, but, God, that you would have them to come forward and let's pray about it. Let's talk about it. Lord, there's an area in their life as far as lust of the eyes and there's things that they see and the things that they want, God, that, that Lord, that they know that they shouldn't be having or wanting. Or maybe they're not happy with themselves as they look at other people, Lord. Then, again, at the same time, I pray that, that they will come forward, Lord, and let's pray about these things. And the pride of life, Lord. Father, and that could be any of us in this room, Lord, and, that is just so worried about the us and the things and how we, everything's going to come back to us and how we want to put ourselves above other people. The same thing, Lord, I pray that they would come forward, Lord, and we could pray for humbleness, Lord, and allow your spirit to be the one that works in them. And, Father, this morning, for anybody who does not know you, which is most important, Lord, and, Father, that I pray that you would even now would just be breaking down those walls, Lord, and, Father, that you would be touching their heart and their spirit, and, then, Lord, that they would know and that you would confirm in their hearts that this is the thing that they need to desire and have to do right now. And for that person too, I pray that they would come forward, Lord, and let's let's talk and let's pray their prayer. And that, Father, that it would be nothing that we would do here as a church, but it's only done through your blood and through the blood of Christ and through the forgiveness of our sins and the washing away of everything that we've done, Lord. So, Father, I pray for those things now. I pray again that you would just be glorified through our church and through the things that we're doing here, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen.